0: Hello everybody, welcome back to Witch Fix. Today we're looking at another Bailey Kate's Magical Bakery mystery series book. It took me a second to get all those words in order. This one is called Potions and Pastries and it follows on from the one we've just finished, which I think is Spells and Scones. When I say follows on, I mean skips a considerable amount of time, so I don't know why I said follows on. It's just the next one in the series, that's what I meant. Uh, but we're now further into Katie and Declan's engagement. Uh, And they're looking for a new house, uh, which is the kind of personal dilemma going on in this story. And the plot on the back of the book reads thusly. It's been exactly two years since Katie and her aunt and uncle opened the Honeybee Bakery, where they serve delicious and bespelled treats to the good people of Savannah. After a dinner celebrating the bakery's anniversary, they all take a stroll along the waterfront and meet Aunt Lucy's friend, Orla, a colourful character who has been tending the fortunes of locals and tourists alike for years. The next day, Orla meets with what seems like a terrible accident, but Katie's witchy intuition tells her it was something more sinister. Together with her trustworthy coven and her firefighter boyfriend, she'll race to find out what happened to the unfortunate fortune teller before the piping hot trail goes cold. Uh, so, so that's generally the mystery. This one is more of a mystery than any other one that we've looked at previously in the series because we don't really know how the murder was committed i think usually we we know quite quickly we find out you know katie's police contacts come through or she actually witnesses um the death or at least sees the body um in such a way that she knows how how they died she sees like you know they've been stabbed or whatever but in this one she's they're standing on the sidewalk chatting to all and then all face just goes completely blank and katie gets a bunch of signals from her familiar from her dead grandmother telling her that something terrible is happening she needs to intervene now and then all just walks into the road right in front of a car and obviously gets hit and dies so it's not even obviously a murder, but Katie, because of all these like signals and things that she's getting, knows that something is weird, knows that something is up, and so has to look into not only why the murder was committed and who did it, but how, which um, is an interesting kind of change for the series, and I do love a how-done-it. Uh, I'm a really big fan of like shows like Jonathan Creek and things like that, where most of the mystery is about how this seemingly impossible thing occurred. And I think it's a really good... Thing to include in something like a, a magical mystery series, because obviously there are so many ways to commit a murder that aren't just, you know, mundane means, and yet we seldom see sort of magical homicides. I think the closest we came was the, the sort of magical coma of two books ago, uh, which I think was in Magic and Macarons. Um, but even then, the actual murders occurred by like, you know, a snake bite or there was an attempted murder with a fire. So it wasn't like magic was the actual kind of murder weapon, if you like. Um, and in this one, it kind of is. Um, and it, it's it's pulled off reasonably well. I quite enjoyed it. That's not to say that I didn't have some gripes with this book. After terming the the previous one, um, Spells and Scones, I think that's what it was called, um, as my favourite in the series, we couldn't really go anywhere but slightly down from that and this one was kind of slightly down from that it wasn't like the worst one in the series i did really enjoy it still but there were some issues with it mostly the fact that because all of the murder victim and all of the suspects basically are her family um they are a traveler family they like perform down at the waterfront you know you've got like like jugglers and things being mentioned jugglers fortune tellers a unicycle rider who may or may not be related to them i've completely forgotten um and various other different performers but the the g word is used quite a lot throughout the book um uh, by katie um even though at some point she is corrected by others so like other characters will say like traveler um because all is from like a, um, an, I think, an Irish traveller background and not like a Romany background. Um, so that did make me a little bit like uncomfortable and a little bit like, eep, like I don't, I don't know that this should have been as prevalent as it was throughout the novel. But aside from that, my my main issue with like the actual plot of the story is that we kind of have that eclair, enchanted eclair thing of it just coming out of nowhere. Towards the end, not as bad as it was in that book. Um, You have like a reasonable shot of being able to work work out at least how the crime was done, if not who did it. But who did it just kind of comes out of nowhere, and I'm going to be discussing that as we move forward with a few more spoilers. Firstly, though, some worthwhile relationship notes from this novel. Um, Obviously, Katie and Declan have now been engaged for... like since the previous book so it's been like a little while now and they're sort of planning the wedding but they also want to move because katie's house is described as not being big enough for the two of them and katie really doesn't want to leave the carriage house and that's sort of why she was so iffy about accepting his proposal in the previous novel and for this whole book i was like why don't you just build a fucking extension um and this is mostly because at the moment i'm like looking for houses and house hunting because me my parents and my brother we're like Selling a house with moving, moving quite far away, so it's pretty exciting. More on that as it occurs. But I've been looking at a lot of houses and watching a lot of property development shows with them. And it was just like, top of my mind, like, she's got this great big garden, just build an extension. Why is this hard? And that is, you know, at the end, what they decide to do. They decide, oh, actually, we don't really want to leave the carriage house. We'll just build a little extra bit onto it. So it's kind of like a non-issue. But the them looking for a house plot line does turn up some stuff that helps with the mystery. So I can understand why it's there. It's not just completely pointless. What got to be a teeny bit is that in this book, we see that Angie, the witch and former owner of Mungo the dog, uh, has now started to date Steve Urswell's slimeball. And the previous book there was quite a negative encounter with Steve. You know, Katie found out that he tried to use a love spell on her. He was being very pushy, and she quite rightly called that out and was like, get out of my life. And into my car. Um and Angie kind of had this reaction to him in like the last scene of the novel that had him in it, where she was like, oh, this guy's kind of foxy. And now they're dating. And we don't see a lot of them, but he does turn up and it's very clear that he still carries this torch for Katie. He's He, he might like Angie, but he is still like kind of gunning for Katie and making these kind of pointed remarks about uh, how rejection doesn't necessarily make love go away and, and things like that. And it's all kinds of ick. Um, and Katie took a step back from being as confrontational as she was in the previous book. It feels like this is an issue that has been left to simmer. And I'm really hoping that it comes back and gets properly dealt with in the next two books in the series. I've just started on the next one, which is Cookies and Clairvoyance, And the one after that is Witches and Wedding Cake. So I'm expecting Steve to do something around the wedding. I would like to finally have it out with him um, because it feels like the confrontation we got in the previous book was very much like the penultimate confrontation before things really get settled on a similar note we do keep hearing more and more about katie's former fiance, who left her like basically at the altar before the book series started it was one of the reasons she moved to savannah and i would love for him to turn up and have a confrontation with him i think that would be really cathartic so i'm really hoping for that um it would also be a nice way to kind of bookmark how much Katie has grown, uh, you know, encountering people from her previous life because we don't really see Katie interact with anyone from like that previous time. She does occasionally phone her mother or, or speak to her mom and dad on the phone. And I think her mom and dad have visited, but we didn't really have any scenes with them. It was just like the book that I've just started reading is like picked up after they've left. So it would be nice to see kind of the difference in Katie and how, you know she interacts with those people we also find out that cookie is pregnant hooray for cookie i mean i don't really care that much like the the, the side characters aren't, aren't terribly interesting to me but i think cookie of all the side characters is the one that i remember most about and enjoy when she turns up because she's very different to the others and she kind of brings a fresh air and usually a different magical take so you know make of that what you will cookie's got some news as well now for the mystery part and this is where we're going to get spoilery about the actual mystery content of the book so one of the things that happens at the murder uh, which we we do find out very quickly is a murder like katie has it confirmed her by multiple intuitive sources so even though the police don't believe it was a murder she is very certain quite quickly off the bat you hear as like all is like moving into the road a sharp high-pitched noise and then mungo comes sprinting out of the cafe towards katie at the same time she gets a message from her grandmother and then later katie remarks that none of the other familiars did anything and she thinks oh okay well maybe it's just because mungo is my familiar and that could definitely be the explanation as intended in the book but what it made me think of was a dog whistle um which doesn't really make any sense because like katie hears the high pitch noise whereas a lot of people that can't hear dog whistles although i think women hear high pitch sounds better so um based on that tenuous amount of evidence um i decided that this had something to do with the whistle and, and the whistle was very important in the murder um and then as soon as lucy said oh you know she had this blank look on her face and she just walked out into the road i thought aha a post-hypnotic suggestion where she would just like close down and walk into the road and unlike with enchanted eclair where suddenly this truth potion not truth potion memory wiping potion comes out of nowhere at the end still not over it never will be um We do find out a bit about hypnotism. Several people in Orla's family mentioned that this is part of their act. Um, We find at least two people who have been either photographed performing mesmerism or who admit that it's one of their skills that they have used in the past. Um, I had discounted both of them as suspects because it was just too obvious for it to be the head of the family who everyone was scared of. Um, But I did think that maybe it was his son and that he passed on um, this talent or skilled his son because his son was mentioned but never really appeared and normally when someone is mentioned but they don't show up a lot it's because they're the murderer so um i guessed it was him i got that completely wrong but this is where the issue comes in because the actual killer is someone who hasn't been linked to the idea of hypnotism at least anywhere that i could remember reading it they just show up and there isn't really any clues to help you get to them or to help you work it out which didn't annoy me as much with the Cl- as it did with eclair because with that you couldn't guess how it was done or who had done it because both of those things were tied into the piece of information that you weren't given as a reader at least with this one, you had some reader satisfaction of being able to work out that it was hypnotism ahead of time um so when the killer just kind of popped up and it was like oh it's this guy, or girl, no, it's a guy, um, <laughs> uh, he, he didn't sting quite so badly. Also, Katie gets to go and do some interesting chats uh, with a police hypnotist who talks to her about hypnotism and tells her that you can't hypnotise someone to do something that they wouldn't do. So you can't like hypnotise them to, say, for example, walk out in front of a speeding car. And Katie twigs that maybe this means that there's a little bit of magical oomph going on behind that hypnotism and that's how the magic is kind of brought in and i guess maybe there's a slight hint in this because she says that maybe what is helping with the sort of magic of it all making people actually um die because of of this hypnotism is something like her voice which hasn't been mentioned a lot i think she used on like a person in either the previous book or the one before and then felt bad about it uh, but it's basically a voice that she can use that makes people do things and like is very commanding and is a sort of magic thing. And the actual killer is a ventriloquist. So obviously there's a voice connection there, however tenuous. But I don't know, for me, it wasn't enough to like pin it on him. And he was kind of absent throughout most of the book and not talked about. Uh, So there we go. We find out it's that guy. There's some really dramatic scenes at the end where Katie's house gets set on fire and her neighbour is hypnotised into trying to kill her. All great stuff. Loved it. Um, And this book also brings a a sort of conflict to a resolution. Uh, Over the past couple of books, Katie's had a, a very strange relationship with the local policeman. Police Chief Officer Quinn, whatever his name is, um, that he was kind of annoyed that she was getting involved in these murders and then very um, disbelieving when she said that, oh, yeah, I just know this because of, you know, just womanly intuition or like taking psychics previously at their word. And he was he thought her very naive and was getting frustrated with her. And then in the last book, he saw her glow as she was in like a, a fight with a killer. And obviously this forced him to confront some of his beliefs. So he's very angry at her for most of this book, avoiding her, snapping at her, telling her to stop investigating. And then at the end, she finally comes clean and is like, look, this is all to do with hypnotism. You can believe me or not, but don't be an ass about it. And then she tells him that she's a witch. And he's like, oh, OK, I get that you wouldn't want to tell me that. And it's a lot to take you on board, but I'm going to try that's quite nice um and that kind of leaves us with the end of the book being katie and declan now having her outed to get another person as a witch uh, and looking to like build their new home together or build a new part of her old home together which doesn't have the same ring to it so i did enjoy this one i thought it was really good. I liked that we were looking at something that wasn't like a psychic or a a straight up like a magic practitioner like a witch. I think a hypnotism was a really fun idea both as like a a murder method uh, and also as an element to include in the story. Um, It still wasn't one of my favourites of the series but it wasn't like bad. I still put it like up there on the, the chart of the order in which I prefer these books. But because the last one was so good, I feel like this was just a step back to like the normal level of my enjoyment. And I'm hoping that over the next two, we can get a little bit more anti-Steve action, which is what I'm really here for. Um, And uh, hopefully just like take Steve down because I, I, I just don't like him. I just don't like him and I want him to suffer. Anywho, that has been my review of um, Potions and Pastries uh, by Bailey Cates. Uh, I've just started reading the next one. I'm trying to get through these because, as I said, impending move. I want to get rid of all of my physical books. And, and so there's like less to pack. And once I've read them, I can like get them on the get rid of them pile. And this also means that I unfortunately won't be buying new books at the moment. Uh, unless i buy them on kindle to read later but keep those recommendations coming in and i will keep them saved for when i can buy paperbacks again because i do enjoy a paperback in the meantime i'll see you in the next episode bye